There's a term that's used three times in the New Testament, and three times only, and it's this term, Abba Father, that we were talking about this morning. And as we look at it here, we're going to look at it here in, in, in relation to the Lord Jesus Christ and to his prayer in the garden. Mark 14 and verse 36. We've got three passages we're going to look at. We're going to look at Mark 14, we're going to look at Luke 22, and then we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 5. And I'm going to try uh, to be quick. But look at Mark 14 and verse 36. Jesus is in the garden. Uh, He knows what's coming. The disciples really haven't understood yet. Um, But he knows what's coming, and he's praying. This is the prayer meeting where the uh, guys are with him, and they fall asleep. They don't understand. They don't get it. And um, uh, he's grieved But verse 36 uh, is his prayer. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou wilt. Father, would you bless us as we look to the sacred word tonight? And would you help us, Lord? Help us to lay hold upon and understand And help us, Lord, to be drawn to you because of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Jesus is about to face into the cross. And, you know, the more I read about it and the more I study it and the more I look at the cross, the the more I realize I cannot comprehend what the cross meant. Uh, If you and I were to go, we're we're, we're facing execution tomorrow, we would be very upset. You know, we would not be... uh, skipping around, we would not be happy. We, We would be very upset because we would be facing death, and we would probably be facing pain, and we would not be happy about it all. That, that would be something that would be, be dreadful for us. Uh, most people wouldn't sleep. Most people would be uh, very anxious about it. But the Lord Jesus Christ is facing much more than that. He's facing death, right? <clears throat> that's, that's, that's very clearly uh, uh, what's going to happen to him. He's facing the cruelest kind of death. Because remember, the Roman cross was an implement of torture. It wasn't just an execution. It wasn't like where you inject a chemical into somebody's bloodstream and they pass away quietly. Uh, It was intended uh, to cause maximum pain, and it was intended to last for up to three days. It took up to three days for people to die on a Roman cross. So it was intended to frighten everybody into submission to the Roman Empire. It was their classic way. Uh, If they had a problem in a city, they would just crucify people. Uh, along the entrance to the city so that everybody would see and everybody would say, whatever happens, I will do what I'm told. I'm never going there. And the Lord Jesus knew the pain that he was facing. He also knew he was facing humiliation. Remember, the Pharisees had been trying to nail him. Uh, The religious leaders had been trying to get him uh, for all of his public ministry, basically. They'd been trying to find some way that they could humiliate him, some way that they could show themselves to be better than him. They had never found anything. Every occasion they had come up against them, he had dealt with them very effectively, and he had walked away, unscathed from it. And, you know, it's one thing for you to be attacked and to buffet well. It's another thing for you to be attacked and to be totally humiliated in the attack. And what was coming up was going to be total humiliation. And the Lord knew it. But, you know, I don't think that's the half of what was going on for him here. I honestly don't think that's the half of it. I think, you know, the physical pain, the anguish of the scourging, the, uh, the crown of thorns, the, the, the cross itself is just 
minor in comparison to the rest of what's going on for him. First of all, Jesus has perfect fellowship with the Father from eternity past. In other words, there's never been a moment when there's been anything, any problem between them. There's never been a crossword. There's never been a misunderstanding. There's never been a disagreement. We can't understand that, can we? <clears throat> That's impossible in our circumstances for to have a relationship where there's absolutely no shadow, where there's never been a shadow. It's even far, much more impossible for us to, to understand the idea of an eternal relationship like that. So, you know, there are certain things that you bank on that you kind of are, are sure of in your life, and they're your security, and, you know, you just expect them to always be. You expect them, uh, those things to happen. You expect those things to stay right. And to take those things away from you, you realize how fragile and how frail you are. You know, when somebody dies you realize, goodness, it's a fragile, frail world because it rocks your world and shakes you loose from your, uh, <laughs> from your place of ease. Well, you know, the Lord Jesus Christ knows he's facing into that because he's going to take our sin upon his shoulders and he knows the Father is of pure eyes than to look upon sin. Uh, there's going to be a break in the fellowship because of our sin. There's a th- another thing involved in all of this, too, and I, again, you and I can't understand it in the way that Jesus did, but you know, Jesus was perfect, holy, sinless, undefiled. Well, he wasn't going to be the next day. He was going to have our sin on his shoulders. He was going to have our sin, and for the first time, you know, <clears throat> perfect deity was going to be touched by the filth of the world that we know and recoil from, but that he never was touched by before. He's going to be touched by that. And then one further thing, Satan's going to have his day. Satan has hated the Lord Jesus Christ. He has wanted to tear him down. He has tried. He has sought to. And he has wanted to tear him down, and he's going to have his way the next day. Jesus is going to be crucified. And Satan's going to win. And the demons are going to be very happy in that day. And so what he's facing into is far more than pain and agony. What he's facing into goes deeper than we can understand. What he's facing into is more than we can imagine. He's facing something that we don't have any ability to understand. And he's facing it for you and I. I'm going to come to the table tonight, and what we're going to do is we're going to remember what he did for us. And it's important that we actually let it in. Because you know what? In a superficial world, we can just glance along. We can just miss it all. But The purpose of the Lord's table is to remember what Jesus did for us. It's to remember the price he paid for our sins. But there's something in this verse that I want you to see. He cries out to his Father in the tenderest possible way, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. 
Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou wilt. He wants the Father who can do anything to take it away. Did you ever pray a prayer that wasn't answered? It's hard, isn't it? Particularly if it's something that is really important to you, really meaningful to you, and it's not answered. You know, and we're, we're looking at the humanity of Jesus here. We're looking at this man. Yes, he's God, but he's man as well. In his humanity, every part of him recoils from what he's facing. Every part of him. Every part of him says no to it. I don't want anything. I don't, I, I don't want it physically. I don't want my enemies winning over me. I don't want to bear the sin. I don't want the enemy to have victory over me. Every part of him recoils from it. And he says, Father, if it be possible, take it away. Take it away. I don't want to do it. If there's some other way, please do it that way. But you know, the father didn't. Because there was no other way. We want to know how bad sin is. What we've got to do is we've got to look at Jesus on the cross. Not your polished wooden cross, the real cross. That's how bad sin is. That's how wicked it is. That's how awful it is. That's how terrible it is in God's eyes. There was no other way to pay the price for sin except Jesus going to the cross. No other way. It was impossible. And he cries out to the Father, and he asks the Father to take it away, and the Father says, effectively, no. I want you to notice, though, that in the prayer he's saying, nevertheless, not my will but thine be done. Do you know that you're going to have some prayers that God won't answer? You're going to have some prayers that you'll pray that you'll really want, and God will say no to them. And you know why I'll say no to them? Because it's not the best thing. He could have said, okay, uh, I will relieve you from this responsibility, Jesus. And yet, where would we be today? Where would we be if Jesus had stepped away from that moment? See, it wasn't the best thing, and the Father said no. And there are going to be times when God is not going to answer your prayer, and he's going to allow you to go through things that you would much rather not go through. But, and you're going to have to trust his wisdom and his love and his power. You're going to have to come to that place with Jesus where you say, nevertheless, not my will, but thine. Or you say, no, or you know best. I'm going to trust you with it. I want you to look over, though, in Luke 22, verse 41, and I want you to see something that did happen. Luke 22, verse 41. Now, this is the same incident recorded by Luke, but you're going to see something else in it here as well. And he was withdrawn from them, a stone's cast, and he kneeled down and he prayed, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine. Now, look at verse 43. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. 
You know, his father didn't grant his request, but he did send somebody to strengthen him. And do you know your father never is oblivious to your need and your burden and your cry? There are often times when you and I are in such anguish that, you know what? <clears throat> we have it planned out what the answer to our prayer is. And that's the only answer we want. That's the only answer we'll accept to our prayer. And you know what happens then? When he doesn't do it, we often miss what he does do. We miss the fact that he steps into the situation and that he cares and that he loves me, even if it's not what I expected and not what I want. Yeah, you've got to let God be God in your life. And you've got to let him do what he's going to do. You're always going to find it's the best thing, even if it's not what you like. Jesus doesn't get what he wants on this occasion. And you know, if Jesus doesn't get what he wants, I'm certainly not getting what I want all the time. Because if anybody had a right to say, why not? He had. But when I don't get at what I want, you know what I am going to get? I'm always going to get his care and his love and him strengthening me. Don't miss it. Grace is very real. You won't get everything you want, but you will get all the grace you're willing to receive. You will get all the supernatural enabling you are willing to receive from God. My grace is sufficient for thee. It's enough. Whatever you're facing, whatever it is that you look at in your life and you say, I can't bear this, Lord, take it away. If God says no, he doesn't just say, no, go through it, I don't care. He says no. You're going to have to go through it. But I'm going to strengthen you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to be with you. And you know, when God strengthens you to go through it, it's amazing what you can do. Here's a whole other study. But we could spend time looking at Jesus on the cross. And we could talk about this. We could talk about how little it seems to touch him. He never loses it. He never dissolves into a puddle of tears feeling sorry for himself. He never responds to people in the wrong way. He's amazing. He goes to the cross and he's the strongest, uh, freest person around on that cross. It's amazing. It's not what he wanted, but God strengthened him for it and enabled him to do it. And you know what? When God doesn't answer your prayer, he will always strengthen you and enable you for what he's looking for you to do. And you know, that's what you need. You know what you want. God knows what you need, and he gives you what you need, not what you want. All right, one last passage, and then we're done. Hebrews 5, verse 7 and 8. Now, verse 7 is dealing with the Lord Jesus, okay? And we really get the Hebrews 5, verse 7. Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death 
and was heard in that he feared, right? You know, <clears throat> what we're looking at in the garden is we're looking at Jesus. Uh, another passage tells us he sweat, as it were, great drops of blood. Uh, we're looking at Jesus crying out and asking the Father uh, to take it away. And he's crying. That crying there is not tears crying. That crying there is crying out, Lord, help me, Lord, do this. There's tears involved in it too, but it's that crying out to God. Right? <clears throat> and <clears throat> with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him, and he was heard. You know what? God may not always do what you want him to do, but he always hears. Right? Verse 8, though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. All right? <clears throat> okay, so this is really a conundrum, verse 8. How do you teach deity anything? How does Jesus learn anything? How does he learn obedience? I mean, wasn't he always obedient? Well, yes, he was. But you know, <clears throat> some things you can't say you've learned until you've actually done them. Right? <clears throat> You can't say you've learned until you've actually done it. Like, you know, it's a, it's a, a small example, right? but it's an example. We'll say, we'll say somebody could tell you everything to do about playing a piece of music on the piano. And you sat in a classroom, and for hours they taught you how to, do, <clears throat> how to play piano, and they told you which keys to press and how to press them and so on. And then, without you ever playing the piano, we had you come down, and we had you play a special for church. It'll be horrific, right? Because you have to actually do it to learn it. Now, you know, the Lord Jesus Christ had never been touched by sin. Never. He'd never been touched by sin. Uh, he'd never been touched by the wickedness of the world and the way he's going to be touched by it. And you know what he's going to do? He's going, we, we could change this word learn and we could put this word proved. Because what he did was he played the piece flawlessly. He had to. He played the piece of dying flawlessly. Perfect obedience. Perfect obedience, perfect submission to the, to the Father. Nevertheless, not my will but thine be done. He did it perfectly. His flesh screamed no. But when he came to it, it was nevertheless, not thy, my will, but thine. And he went to the cross and he paid the price without drawing back, without murmuring, without complaining, without any lack of faith, without any self-pity. He did his part and he did it completely. And he learned obedience. Do you know how we learn obedience? We can learn it in the schoolroom, can't we? We can learn it when somebody preaches and teaches. But it doesn't become real till we do it. It doesn't become real till we actually step in and do what we've learned. And that's what Jesus did. Jesus showed us how. 
Jesus showed us how to obey. He showed us <clears throat> how obedience could be ours. And, you know, we wish it could be different, don't we? But Jesus learned obedience by the things that he suffered. So will you and I. We'll learn obedience by the things that we suffer. You know, <clears throat> uh, somewhere in our heart of hearts we dream of a world where there is no suffering. And there is such a world, but this is not it. Because we learn obedience through suffering. How do you deal with suffering? Do, re- do you react to it? Why me? This is not fair. Why don't I get what I want? I'm, I'm one of the good guys. How do you react to suffering? When we bow our heads and we say, nevertheless, not my will but thine, we're doing what Jesus did. We're letting him have his way, have his will in our lives, and we're yielding to him. And yielding to him brings peace. Always. Fighting against him won't give you peace. Are you fighting against the suffering that he's put in your life? Are you fighting against the hard thing he's asked of you? Wouldn't it be lovely? Maybe sometime in revival times we'll do it. Wouldn't it be lovely to go around the room and ask each one of us, what's your hard thing right now? What's your suffering right now? And we'd all have something. Every one of us would have something. Every one of us would bring something out and put it on the table. Every one of us. You know, but you know, how are you suffering? How are you bearing it? How are you actually dealing with it? Jesus dealt with it in perfect submission to the Father. And he was the victor. I don't know that anybody ever died such a victor. He was a winner all the way through. Do you know that you can be a winner all the way through? You won't be a winner by removing suffering from your life. That won't happen. You can be a winner when you submit to him and accept it from his hand and draw on his grace to enable you to deal with it. We're going to go to the table. And I want us to go to the table tonight, with obviously with a mind that says, okay, Lord, this is the price you paid for me. But I want us to also ask ourselves, How are we dealing with the things he's asked of us? Are we letting him have his way? Are we dealing with those things that he's asked of us in a right way? Are we murmuring and complaining and feeling full of self-pity and this is not fair? Let me encourage you, as you look at Christ on the cross, take and apply it to yourself. And let him do a similar work in your heart so that you live and you live the life he wants you to live under his will and submission to him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this night. Thank you, Lord, for your people. Now, Lord, would you bless us as we come to the table tonight. Lord, may it be a sweet thing as we remember what the price you paid for us. and Lord, may it be a sweet thing as we live it out in the reality of our lives. Because, Lord, We know that you've called us to a cross as well. And each one 
has that difficulty, has that problem, has that issue. Lord, help us to embrace it and accept it as from your hand. And Lord, to do it well. In Jesus' precious name, amen.